Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to There Will Be Dungeons for Saturday, July 10th, 2021 with me and Kyle and Kristen and John. Uh, I'm Scott Johnson, and we are about to have a whole lot of fun. I would remind you all that life's better with a little bit of tea in your cup. I have a little thermos with tea in it right now. And the tea I have in here is from our friends at phoenixpearltea.com slash TWBD. If you want a nice little tea to wake you up, put you to sleep, or just make your day, you can find them over there, all branded around our adventures at uh, phoenixpearltea.com slash TWBD. Without further ado, I hand the keys to the car to Kyle, who will then take us on today's journey. Kyle, take it away. Last time on There Will Be Dungeons Delvers, we discussed a guest appearing, but that will not be happening. Our guest has been rescheduled, so things go on as they often do in D&D. We had a level up between last show and this show. Several features have happened across the party. I will now update you on. The Paladin, Grinkeeper, has earned an aura of devotion. Creatures within 10 feet of her can't be charmed while you are conscious. The Cleric, Crandall's Splendor Belt, has earned a level four spell of his own choosing, which we might see later today, as well as unlocked Death Ward and Guardian of Faith. The rogue has unlocked Evasion. That would be Ko. This allows him to take no damage instead of half damage when he successfully dodges things like dragon's breaths. Nice. We, with the rescheduling a little bit, we changed the plan. We have just left the Wildfire Estate. And as we exit, Wildfire pulls Grinkeeper aside for a moment, speaking to her privately as Splendorbelt and Co. Walk, walk on. But on the edge of the estate is the Aegis Cart, piloted the none other by Aegis the Centaur, who awaits you on the edge. It is about 8.30 in the evening after a pleasant but rambunctious family dinner. You seemingly, at least uh, to your knowledge, passed Wildfire's test to get approval for silver ranking. You're not sure what the next steps are at the moment for that. Grinkeeper exits the house behind you and the door closes. What's that cart there? As you say that, Aegis the centaur with his big, beautiful mane and his He-Man-like brace across his chest to pull said cart, gives a wave. Well, hello, Delvers. I was sent to pick you up. Pick us up? 
I didn't think we had anything scheduled for this evening. Uh, yes, well, uh, it seems that your meeting is ready. I wasn't given much information beyond that, but Carrie sends her regards. Yeah, and this oh. is unusual timing. We usually are not uh, told to leave uh, this soon, but uh, I suppose if it is Carrie, we we must we we must go. I'm to take you to the guild. I don't think you'll be battling, particularly in your dresses and whatnot. So this is just meeting time? Meeting time as I know it. Cassius will be there. I believe it's all staff, all hands. At least in the staff department. Uh, Just the Delvers, though, in terms of adventurers like yourselves. Well, I suppose Very well, we thank you for yeah. the ride. Yes. We'll, uh, climb a short ride through cart. town, everybody load up, and let's get going. And you guys do. You get inside Aegis's cart, which you know rather well at this point. No tea is being served in your short ride across town. You go down the main strip, past the governor's mansion, past the market district, down past the clock tower that eventually leads to the guild, the dungeon guild at the end of the street. There amongst all the magic shops and other accoutrements for adventurers. He pulls up, stops the cart, unhooks himself, and lets you all out in his customary fashion. All right, I'll climb out, bow to him as I do. Give a nod and head on into the guild. As you enter the guild, you see that it has been rearranged slightly at the moment. All the tables that are usually separated and spaced out for various adventurers' meetings and breakfasts, dinners and such, drinking activities, have all been pressed together into one long line that curves in a great L, dominating the room. And across all the tables are many, many items, uh, mostly of monster limage, if you catch my meaning. And you recognize some of them. Dark mantle leathers. Grick tentacles. A jar with a floating and now uh, hairless cranium rat inside. The items go around and round. And Helenar Clearstone, with a piece of paper, is going around marking in front of him, looking haggard as per usual. This is a pretty cool collection. So why are we here? Oh, Delvers, uh, you have a meeting in the in the lecture hall. I'm uh, cataloging for the auction. Uh, what auction? Yes, is what that? auction is this? The bronze ball, uh, raising funds for the year. Every year we have a silent and a active auction. I believe the. Five emissaries were just sent up to the Dragon Peak to recover the skull. That'll be one of the main events of the auction. Coming up, uh, while you're here, Ko, and uh, others. Eh, Sorry, everybody. Ko usually does the talking. Uh, (laughs) Do you have any opinions on what you would charge or at least start the price on for a rust monster antennae? I have to say, I have no idea. I didn't even know these were trophies that were sold. I thought they were just proudly displayed for guild achievement purposes. I didn't I, know there was a market for uh, cranium rats. Uh, we, we like to keep the trophy 
buck stocked. But however, uh, we're in desperate need of funds. You know, Cassius hasn't taken a paycheck in well over five years. 500 gold. 500 gold for a antenna? It's as good as I know. You're the one who slew it, so you would know best. Uh, what about, um, well, let's see here. What else is under here? You guys didn't kill a dryad. Uh, lichen moon totems? No. Banshee ectoplasm? No, that wasn't you. Uh, hellhound teeth. The hellhound uh, there in the fire. I believe that Ko has these teeth in his pants. If I remember right. No? I, no. You are you, you you turn it in already? I don't remember I what did, you did. I did. I don't I don't typically hold on to these things for very long. I did not want I am not trying to implicate Ko in any sort of stealing of teeth. To be clear. I just remember him having them in his pocket. Sorry, go ahead. The teeth oh pockets. Oh, oh, okay. I just don't have to clean these then. A jar of gelatinous cube ooze was delivered by the First Son's Brotherhood, but I am aware that you all were the finishing blow. Um, don't you think it would be better to maybe speak with a uh, alchemist or somebody who might have some idea of what these things might be used for, if there are any practical applications? Oh yeah, what about that magic guy who sells all the cool stuff, like the goat? Oh, Gruber, uh, he's an odd one, but yes, I could... Hire his services for this. He's expensive. Everything comes with a contract. But yes, oh, here we go. And out of the back door from the basement comes Jimmy the Soup, the rat man, carrying a massive hooked claw that you remember from your adventure below the town, the hook horror claw, and deposits its weighty mass on a nearby table. Ah! All right, this is one of the uh, in-person auction ones. What's going on out here? As he looks over at all four of you gathered. We are trying to determine the value of some of these trophies, and uh, we're here for a meeting of some kind. Oh, uh, yeah, I'll let them, I'll let them know that uh, well, y- 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 y'all are here. I'll, I'll head right back. And he exits. Any guesses on that one? What, 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 what would you charge for a, a hook horror claw? Is it extinct? Thought to be extinct, so it's going in the primary auction. I would say it is worth an awful lot of money. Greenkeeper nods. Extremely rare. It was a terrible foe. Very dangerous. Felled with a single shot of an arrow, by the way. That doesn't sound so dangerous. Well, it was a very good shot. Ah, adventurers. Very well. <laughs> Down is very expensive. <laughs> Jimmy returns, and with him is Cassius and Carrie Underworld. Hi, oh hi, says Carrie. I've, I've prepared the lecture hall. We're gonna we're gonna have a lecture. Who is giving lectures? He's, who is it? Who is doing? I'm very excited about it, Carrie. Yes. Well, it's a meeting. It's a meeting. I, 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 I translated the things. I did all the. I, I've been busy. It's been like a four, five days since you guys gave me all that stuff. I've been back there. I've, I've got like a million eye boogers. 
Have you seen the sun in the past four days? <laughs> no, I don't need it. It's fine. Okay. okay. I got a I got a drift globe. Uh, it, I mean, scares off ghosts. So you know, it's like the sun. Yes, I also have a drift globe. It is not the same thing. Oh, uh, Cassie speaks up. Let's get on with this. It's late in the evening, after all, and you all have had a busy dinner there with wildfire, I assume. Yeah, how did you know? I put him up to the task. He is one of the Silvers who will be reviewing you. Do you know if he gave you a favorable review? Yeah? Yeah, he did. Oh, that is good. The analyst will be here tomorrow, in fact. Late evening. Bronze ball in two days, and we might be able to squeeze in your promotion before then if you can pass all the various tests. But there is something to take care of before then that I won't speak of here in the main hall. Please, to the lecture. Okay, we follow him. You go through that back door beyond the bar, heading straight past the initial door that you know heads down to the basement, and take the first left into the lecture hall. All across the far board, the chalkboard, are strewn the many pieces of paper and items that you have delivered over time. This includes the plant fiber sheet that you delivered that was corrupted or covered in some sort of uh, ooze that had ruined the markings underneath, now looking clean. There's also the rubbing that Ko did there at the Grick dungeon so long ago. On the table in front is a book, the book you delivered from Withers' vault, and the many other items that made up your delivery just the other day. Uh, some of those were such things as the map, which was located behind the picture of the Withers family, uh, the book with the finances inside. You also delivered the stone music box, the mirror that showed the back of your head, several vials of black liquid, which are also present, and the pair of pants with the bells, which seems to have been reconstituted out of its flattened state, and the smashed staff, which is still in pieces, but lined out in a nice little box so it kind of lines up. Oh, like broken Lord of the Rings sword kind of, like, trophy style, but in its broken pieces, right? Yes, still sharp. Those are cool. Still sharp. All right, please, everyone, take a seat. Helenard, Jimmy, you'll be needed as well. This is an all-staff meeting. Please, Groenhammer, man the front for us. We'll be with you soon. And Cassius ushers everybody in. Uh, as per usual, it's a long sort of lecture hall with tiered steps. Where do you place yourself in this sort of student layout? Oh, geez. I was right in the front, right? Yep, Grinkeeper immediately yep. heads there. Yeah, I'd go front. You all sit in the front, and in the second row behind you sits Helenar and Jimmy the Soup, the Ratman. Am I in front of him, thereby obscuring his view? Yes, you would be quite massive compared to Jimmy, who's about four or five. So he would have to kind of do one of those sideways leans, you know, like he's trying to attend Elton John or something. I will be... Keep in mind the room's empty. Right. (laughs) And I'll be be completely just like oblivious to this. I will sit up straight like a good, you know audience member and act like I don't know that anyone would be behind me that can't see. 
He he leans first to the right, but then realizes that's the side that your massive snake staff hangs out on, so he goes over to the left side instead, <laughs> peering between Ko and Splendorbelt to see the front. Yeah. Cassius Good. walks to the front. Thank you, Delvers. Yeah, your presence here has become more important than you can possibly know. It seems that we have uncovered several things about the items you have delivered and carry with my aid will now present. Carrie? Oh, well, all right. So first up, we know some things about the Kalazar. I translate, and she's pointing at the sort of plant fiber piece of paper now uncovered. I translate all this, which means that we kind of know, like, at least I know uh, the language. I'm going to try to, like, distill it and put it in some glasses for you guys so you can just read it, you know? Just, like, look at it and read it. Old, old Elvish. Pretty cool stuff. Uh, this particular is uh, the titles of the Kalazar, and they're as you expect for something, you know, of this nature. Uh, these are all, of course, uh, interpretations. The language can be a little tricky, uh, and it does, um, it has its own structure. But to translate into common for you, um, the first one is a king of the under kingdom, or it could also translate as ruler of the dark empire. Uh, that's a pretty good one. Uh, this one is particularly good. Uh, Necromantis Rex, which could mean uh, King of the Bats, but could also mean uh, Necromancer Supreme. I'm not sure which one exactly it is, but it's a it's a pretty good one. Uh, the Lord of the Black Basilica and the Undying Majesty. So congratulations. Uh, you have been in contact with the uh, Undying Majesty, Co. Uh, that's that's pretty cool. Uh, I I'm suppose gonna, I'm gonna go yay and hit him on the back. Bam! Grinkeeper sees this and adds another one right after. All right. Uh, we've uh, also translated of the engraving there uh, that you all found uh, behind. The wall at the Temple of Palor, uh, there at the dungeon, the same the same engraving that has uh, been visible in many of the dungeons you visit, including the one with the Gricks. Uh, do you all want the the short version or the 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 story version? Story. Yes, short, yeah. short, yeah. shorter. Be better. Yeah, get to get to the big parts and uh, skip the, the 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 padding. Wait. Okay. Uh, oh. Oh, okay. All right. Um, short, <laughs> short version. Uh, so long ago, uh, there was a divide in the Under Kingdom. The Kalazar and the Dolbluth split ways. The Dolbluth became outcast, banished above ground, uh, symbolized by the sky and the people symbol there on the initial carving. The great divide there separates the above world and the below world. Uh, next to that is a series of tunnels connecting back down to what we've come to know as the Dawnless Dunes, where the Kalazar resides. Uh, any questions? No. <laughs> you, uh, you understood all that then? No. You feel okay? No. But I'm, you know, it's, it's fine. <laughs> uh, 
Okay. Well, um, so, uh, well, uh, anyway, the, the dungeons that you've encountered throughout the area around Atomer are defenses built to stop creatures from the Underdark from rising, as well as to defend against any encroachment uh, from the Kalazar's kingdom. So uh, they were built as such. However, it seems the Dolbluth did not expect the above world to be full of its own monsters, and they were uh, systematically wiped out uh, by the many beasts like chimeras, um, dragons. Um, what else have you all fought up here? Um, Dark yeah. mantles. Did you say no, gr- those are below? Mimics. Oh, below. Did you say Grix? Those are below too. Oh, eh. Did you say eh? A, 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 a bison? Or, uh, I have a. Uh, well, never mind. My potato farm has a has a guardian now that perhaps was not what he was before. But you don't care about this. Never mind. What? Splendorbelt, do you need to register a guardian at your farm? Is there a monster living on your estate? Uh, no, not really. Uh, I killed uh, a creature and its head remains. Th- that That is all. I don't need to, need to register a head. Yes? Monsters should be reported to the guild, but very well, a head should be no problem. Okay. Then this is all I have is a head. This is it. Please continue, Carrie. Yeah, uh, yes, uh, uh, bugbears, uh, wyverns, dryads, lichens. Uh, those, you guys are very busy with your underground sort of missions, so I understand the perspective uh, divide that might be there. Um, as for this, uh, and she moves over to the music box, this is what we're going to call the hereditary drone. Pretty neat, huh? You've definitely yes. given it a complicated name. Well, uh, so uh, let me let me uh, and she reaches down into a bag and pulls out a large humanoid brain in a jar, and just reaches on into it and pulls it out. Uh, okay, so hang on. and over her knee, she kind of pops the brain in half, and it sort of goos up and splits. Okay, okay. Oh, all right. Should have worn gloves. So this here is the auditory cortex located on the side of the head. This uh, feeds into the motor cortex, which is slightly up there. And when the auditory information is processed, it goes directly to the motor cortex to be executed upon. So using the hereditary drone particularly elves, are susceptible to their motor cortex being, uh, how you say, take it over. Yeah, uh, controlled directly, uh, shutting the individual down. Now, continued exposure for non-elves could mean that the motor cortex is still occupied by the drone, regardless of hereditary nature, and we get such features as what we saw in Broadside, who was confused ultimately, uh, and um, uh, uh, others as well, like the head of the research group who you encountered wearing a dark mantle hat. So you're saying that they are basically using sound waves to mind control or disable people? Correct. 
So we just get earplugs for everybody. This seems bad. Well, that's the exciting part, you see, uh, because we... Uh, I'll deliver any sort of mission information that is needed. Cassius takes over. He looks straight at you, Ko. Ko, you have a very, very particular gift. If we were to send adventurers down underground with any sort of hearing removal in the darkness, they would be slaughtered and unable to coordinate. You are the only person that the guild knows of that features a telekinetic bond. And using it, you've been able to contact your wife inside the dream, and you'd also be able to navigate the Underdark without being hindered fully by any sort of hearing removal for your party. That that makes sense, yes. We have something to ask of you, but our resources right now are pulled towards the Bronze Ball, so we're not going to undertake any sort of campaign at the moment. Should we have a successful... Have, if I must reduce myself to it, fundraiser, we should be able to afford to place you all deep and well-armed into the Underdark in order to take care of this problem for good. For now, Carrie, please continue about what we don't know. Lots. Lots we don't know. Um, this map here, uh, the map that you delivered that was behind Enzo's uh, painting, th that we don't really know much about, and she presents it to you all. Uh, we know, uh, based on this, that Enzo Withers uh, did not encounter a dungeon proper, a Dolbluth entrance there at Withers Keep. He instead dug down and connected to the Underdark. We don't know what the Fulmonic device is, though we have a theory, of course, that it has to do with the sound, the hereditary drone. There's also several uh, titles on here, but one is the location of the Black Basilica, which our Kalazar is Lord of, which causes some interest there. We know many entrances uh, to the Underdark. All should be connected and can be used uh, when we eventually progress this mission. I see on the map that there is a place indicating that it is a hookor nest. We encountered several of those, uh, at least two, maybe more, uh, while we were down beneath uh, the Temple of Paylor. Do you think that these could be the same location? Their territory is unknown. Uh, we don't really, they haven't been encountered for about 150 years. We don't really know if they, we know they're blind, uh, thanks to reports and old documentations, as well as your combat data. Uh, but we don't know how far they span, uh, if they have a scent marking that allows them to cover greater areas or even conflict with other hook horror nests. This is also uh, notes a Roper brood, which you all encountered a Roper brood there, uh, uh, brood mother even uh, there beneath the noble hollow so uh, these creatures do get around and get busy in the dark 
Uh, there are many unaccounted for. Monsters, sure. I mean, I, I, I mean, I've offered to start attacking mission, but Cassius doesn't. Wasn't much for it. We're we're monster slayers, not monster researchers. I'm just saying, if they are reproducing at this rate, we sh- uh, perhaps preventative medicine is in is in order for these to stop it. Anyway, side just side note. Continue on. We would be, Cassius speaks up, thrilled if you were to locate some sort of nest that would take care of the breeding problem with the Underdark monsters that Atomers had for its entirety. However, we have a different mission in mind for tomorrow. Approaching the, the Bronze Ball, given our previous all-bronze operation, we do expect there to be some sort of action to take place whether this is the work of the Kalazar in particular, or whatever sort of faction has taken it upon themselves to interrupt and take part in cultist activity like we saw out at the Noble Hollow. Our best option is to attempt to recover someone from one of these dreams. And how do you think we can achieve that? When you spoke to me last, Co, you reported that the lesser restoration did remove the issue for a time. We had a conversation with Carrie, who suggested that a remove curse could allow the person inside the dreamscape to move freely, perhaps even be removed. Uh, do we know anybody who is capable of testing this theory? You are the only one with access to your telekinetic and psionic powers. And we are looking at you, Co, to do this thing. I'm sorry. I meant the uh, removal of the curse. It's something I can't do. Splendor Belt. That's something you are able to do. Uh, very possible. Let me check real quick. Hold on. I forget how this thing works. My... Um... Mm, it's a new one. Pulls out a big book of holy magic. Yeah, big old book. Thumbing through it. Yep. Um, all right, Doing I the have... lick the thumb thing. <laughs> potato, and then turning the page slow. Potato. Potato. Oh, God. Potato. <laughs> uh, let's see. Cure wounds isn't going to do it. Aid won't do it. Um, maybe not. Yeah, I don't have any dis. I almost chose something that would probably work, but I didn't. I don't have anything prepared like that. Well, when it comes mechanically to clerics, you pray to your god each day and kind of prepare your spells each day. So overnight, if we were to do this mission tomorrow, you would be able to select certain spells. Correct, yeah. We could do that. I can prepare overnight, but as, as of this meeting, I don't have that prepared. But it is something you think you could do. I think so, yes. Sure. We we can discuss what will work best, and then uh, I will just sleep on it, pray to Paylor, and receive uh, the blessing, Paylor willing. That is a great relief, Splendor Belt. We have lost many of the clerics who manned Atomer in the past. After the 
ongoing events here in the rising dangers, the lack of guild funds, many have chosen to leave for other cloisters to take part in other temples. You may be very well the only cleric in this entire city who can remove a curse. Well, this this would be uh, my pleasure to do it. If I can, but I'm sitting, going through my list here trying to find something that will get rid of curses. There's a lot in here. And also, like, mechanically, you can cast, like, everything at each level, so it relists your spells, like, seven times. Yeah, it does. Uh, Dispel Magic isn't going to cut it. I'm sure I... Let's see. It'll be the level three Objuration spell remove curse. Objuration? Okay, hold on. Level three. What's the... I can't find it. If you go to known spells, then yeah. you can type filter yeah. and just type in remove curse there. Oh, there it is. All right, yeah. Okay, well, he, he would have made it clear that after some prayerful thought this evening, I could be prepared for such things. We would like to target someone in particular... Someone who has been in the dream for the longest. From all accounts, Ko, that would be your wife. I am certainly anxious to see her pulled from her state. I am a little worried about having her be the test for this sort of thing. Are we fairly certain no harm will come to her going through this process? We don't know. Is there anything you can tell us about your time in the dreamscape? Anything you've noticed? Anything permanent when you emerged? Most recently, um... The first time that I confronted her in the dream, she didn't want me there. She seemed to be far more aware of who she was and what was going on. Uh, upon return trips, she seemed to forget me every, every so often. And it was with the lesser restoration that we were able to allow the memory to return for a time. Um, in addition, the black goo was mani manifesting outside of the dream. These, the dreamscape, did it change? Did it advance between your visits? Um, it was definitely clearer on the most recent trip back in. I believe the first time it was just uh, distorted, swirling. Have you experimented with anyone else? I was able to get Splendor Bell to enter the dream with me. That's how we were able to test the lesser restoration. And was that individual under similar circumstances? Was the space around them occupied? Was it... Were they alone? Uh, they were, but they... We were able to see that they were training. Um, we were able to see... Uh, just a side note, because I'm having a hard time remembering. Um, we were able to see that they were training with like something physically right other shadowy figures but yes he did have a spear in his hand that 
dispelled upon the casting of the lesser restoration and then reappeared in his hand when he went back to it. Yeah. So there, it seems that objects will manifest, but um, as we pulled them out, they they vanished. It's a lot to ask of you, but with the knowledge we have, we would like to perform this operation here at the guild so we can best supervise it. If, if we think this can actually work, if we think this can actually get my wife back to me, then... Yes, I'll do it. Plus, you need a plus one, one for the ball. For the ball? Oh. Is, is that true? Is that mandatory? I didn't you know. Don't, nobody I, needs a plus one. Thank you, Carrie. But everybody should have a plus one. <laughs> also... Uh, Maybe let's use a little discretion until I feel otherwise comfortable as far as me being a part of the Adventurer's Guild. At least around other people I might know. I see. Very well. We will do our best. However, if we are able to undertake this, your wife may suspect things now that she hopefully will awaken inside the Adventurer's Guild. Well, that is going to be a fun discussion that uh, I will undertake on my own time. We've got your back, Co. Uh, don't think any force could protect me from what might come if... Uh, anyway, I will face that when we come to it. It is a fight I look forward to having. Awesome. Awesome. I really appreciate you all. Uh, tone it down, Karen. Thank you for uh, moving this plan along. Uh, we are excited. We are passionate. Um, we are interested in your research, uh, and I will be aiding you in this regard. Uh, the it is uh, to 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 put it as best we can. The dreamscape that seems to occupy. If you can go in and out. It is a theory and theorized that the Kalazar also moves in and out of this dreamscape. So, uh, depending on uh, if uh, he makes his presence known or not, we may be able to gather quite a bit of information about him, uh, particularly for any sort of upcoming campaign into the Underdark to deal with the issue. Uh, please, uh, while in there, uh, catalog uh, as best you can any sort of special abilities, uh, spells that you may witness... Uh, any sort of locations that you might come in contact with and report on them upon return. It'll give us our best chance at defeating him in the real world. Okay. I think we have a plan. And uh, I guess it should be asked, Grinkeeper, uh, there is no reason why I cannot bring you along for this as well. In fact, I would welcome having someone else with a ability to heal and fight 
in case things go awry in there. Let's get your wife back. Is that the limit of your power? Getting his wife back? No, he has uh, presented that he's able to move in himself, Splendor Belt, and now Grinkeeper. Can we send more with you? Uh, I could take one more with me, if needed. Do you have a request? Is there anybody else we would want to break? <laughs> I can't think of anyone. I mean, we've met lots of people. I think for now, at least initially, we keep it to us. Well, I thought, I mean, if you want, I could catalog, or we could get, like, a silver. There's silvers in town. We could, you know, if you want, like, combat. But I could watch. Are you asking to go? I, I'd love to, frankly. But I, I'm not, I, I'm not like, I'm not, you know, broadside. I'm not of a silver rank. I've got, you know, I've got spells and stuff, but I, I'd mostly watch. What do you all think? Should we bring Carrie? Might take some of the observational load off. She's pretty useful. He's fine with me. I wouldn't notice much. If you would like to come, Carrie, we would appreciate it. Yes. But then I'll be, I'll, I'll be in. I, I'm, I'm in. All right. Um, well, then Cassius will be manning our uh, our mon- monitoring our bodies in that case, but the rest of the guild. Uh, so in the uh, morning, we will arrive to collect your wife, Co, and bring her back to the office. I'll, I'll put a pillow on the desk and we'll make it comfortable, and we'll, we'll go into the dreamscape. Okay. We're actually going to do this. Yeah! <laughs> when do we go? First thing tomorrow? Like early? Like uh, breakfast time or no? What What is plan? Uh, Splendor belt. Mm. You do require your rest and your prayers to gain the necessary spell we might need inside. Yes. If that requires you to gain breakfast as well, you can undertake such a thing. Well, uh, just you should not uh, venture on empty stomach, they say. So, this is all I'm saying. Very good, then. We will see you all in the morning. We will send the Aegis cart to your residence co., and we will collect your wife and bring her back here. Right. Then I look forward to the morning. If there's anything you need to do to prepare, please undertake it. Yes, we know, uh, as I mentioned, there, there's a good chance of, like, um, undying majesty. So uh, any, he might, any sort of undead presence might be detected. Uh, bats might attack too, I guess, going off of this. If you have any spells versus bats, you might want to prepare them. You think bats are going to be the primary concern? I, I just, just He called himself Necromantis Rex, so he's king of bats, so it might 
might happen. Are we talking many small bets or a few big ones? I don't know. That's going to be great to see, though. I'm hoping it's a big, big bat. Like a like a baby's on it like it's and then it, when it dies it spawns additional bats yeah i think it's important to remember the primary purpose of the mission is to get my wife back out not to start fighting with a bunch of bats <laughs> i agree with this that 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 is fair we may have to um of course b- break concentration or help aid that depending on what goes on. We'll, we'll see you all tomorrow. Yes, thank you. Carrie, thank you for putting this all together and doing the research as well. If you would like to gather your items, you may. Otherwise, we will hold on to them here at the guild. You are all dismissed. Right. Okay. I'll, I'll leave. Anyone take anything from the table? The back of the head mirror, the music box, anything like that, or do you leave it in guild custody? Are we allowed to? Yeah. uh, Cassius just presented that these were your items, and they are not cursed, so you may take them if you desire. Can we get a quick rundown What's the mirror and what else? The the inventory real quick? It was the mirror, the black goo on the table, uh, the Withers diary book, or the sort of uh, with all the anatomy drawings inside and the finances. Mm Mm-hmm. There was the pair of pants with the bells that are now reconstituted. Uh, the staff in the long box. Someone should take those pants home. <laughs> Greenkeeper gets the mirror. Oh, man. The- yeah, that's all I was thinking about anyway. So she's got the mirror. That's good enough. The rest of this is pretty useless. As you Co already has a copy of the map. Otherwise, I would take the map. But I, I have... I think the original? No, I kept the copy. So, don't need it. Hmm. As you turn to leave, taking the mirror with you, Cassius turns back to Carrie Underworld. Says, that was good. Yeah, thanks. They didn't ask about the bell pant, and the door closes behind you. <laughs> All right. We will go on break here. That'll give you an opportunity to look through your spells, prepare anything you might need, and we will move to the next day in the operation. Excellent. Everybody out there listening, we'll be back shortly with more. So don't go too far. We'll be right back. And now we're back, uh, picking it up again with Kyle. Kyle, take it away. It's the morning. What did people do over the course of the evening to prepare? I prayed real hard <laughs> uh, <laughs> that I could have a spell that I need to put overnight, and that's what I did. And I got what I needed. So we're gonna we're gonna lift some curses. Curse awesome, removal, baby. Oh, you know what though? I probably ought to actually do it. <laughs> he just prayed it would happen. Yeah. He prayed to Kyle. I went and, I pe- yeah, I went and peed. You pick the correct spells for me. <laughs> yeah. Odds of D&D. Oops. Um, so I'll do that. Uh, but everyone else continue on with whatever the hell you did while I do this. All right. Let's go to Grinkeeper. You went back to the school. You were still in your dress from the fabulous dinner. Was there anything you p- did to prepare for tomorrow morning? 
Uh, she would have been imagining how cool it's going to be and just thinking about fighting undead and then undoing the hair with the cool mirror she has and then passing out really hard. Perfect. A great use for the mirror. Ko. Ko uh, would have a... I mean, I imagine Penny probably would be in bed by the time Ko got home uh, with how late everything was. But he would probably have a... Kind of a quiet evening next to his wife, just, you know, thinking this might be the last one like this. You know, very hopeful. Awesome. As morning comes, does anybody hit up any shops or anything of that note before heading to the guild? I don't think so. Um... I still had two spare potatoes in my pocket, so I'm good on those. <laughs> uh, no need to go buy the potato farm. I think I'm. I don't think I need anything. I stocked up Perfect. on candles last time we went, so I'm good. Co's getting. Co's uh, going to ride in with his wife, but he would take a moment uh, to make sure his daughter was aware of what was going on and just that the guild is going to be trying something to hopefully help mom. Naturally, she's very hopeful about it and stays with you as the cart arrives. And Aegis's cart does arrive, and it's been outfitted a little differently today. Uh, the main table that sits in the middle where you've had tea so many times heading to your, to, towards your adventures has been removed, and a sort of cotton futon has been put in its place, along with some pillows and a fully armored carry who jumps out of the back to greet you. She stands in scale mail. She has at her hip something that looks a lot like a flare gun and a rapier. Across her back is a number of wooden and metal tools in a large sort of quiver. You see like a mining pick, a, a wand, a rod with a crystal on the end, and something that looks a bit like a fold-out tripod. Uh, she also has on her person so many pouches and bags and they're all individually labeled she jumps out of the back with a great clank oh. hey what do you think pretty good huh adventuring gear it uh it certainly seems like adventuring gear to me um honey this is Carrie she's with the guild and she's gonna be responsible for helping take care of your mom Hello there. And she bends down in sort of half and moves her head up. So she reaches the child's level, but does so in a rather bizarre way. Uh, do, do you want a potion? No, uh, we we don't. We're going to we're going to just get going. But hey, we appreciate potions being offered. Oh, OK. All right. Well, let's let's go. Um. Let's go get her. Uh, what's what's her name? Anthala, my wife. An yes, let's let's go get Anthala from uh, from inside your house. I have here a um a, an extendable um stretcher that we can use. Okay, that's creepy. I mean, I know she's immobile, but I don't know. <laughs> 
<laughs> how'd you want it to work? i don't know how they were gonna do it now that you mention it like when they were saying we were talking yesterday or in the show today about the yesterday in the in the fantasy world that we were going to take your wife it never occurred to me that like oh yeah why we have to transport her because she can't move you know she's comatose for all intents and purposes so now it's just like oh it's weird it's fine though do what we gotta do. <laughs> Carrie transports Antla without any mishap, and the two of you together move her on the stretcher. Uh, thanks to the magics that have been provided by your generous funds and the many doctors that you have visited, she has not lost much weight at all over the course of her over three months' stay in this state. You all load her up into the cart. The stretcher retracts back in, and Carrie puts it back over her back in a rather smooth move, completely misses her quiver and has to wiggle around for a bit until she, once again, just kind of brings it around the front and then puts it in the hole there. Okay, uh, Aegis, we're all set to go. All right, to the guild! Clap, 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 and he heads down the road. Splendorbelt, Grinkeeper, you head to the guild. Anything on the way? Um, No. Stoic silence from the big guy. Grinkeeper's gonna buy a pink ribbon that's long enough for all of them to tie their arms together so that if they need to pull each other or something, they can do that. A pink ribbon? A, a ribbon? How to pull each other how? Well, they're gonna... Hold on. <laughs> Baby precariously near a wall socket. I, I have no idea. I made that up. So I they're going to be in a dream there. state. <laughs> <laughs> Carrie sits awkwardly in the back of the cart with you, Co. Uh, she clearly containing her excitement about the mission to come and trying to maintain some sort of respect for the situation. Well, Carrie, you seem uh, very well outfitted. Thanks. I, 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 I put it together myself. I built it a while ago. Uh, I, I'm equipped with the scale mail, and um, I got a, a shield as well. It's all, it's all pulled out and extendable. It, it works in a fan sort of motion because I figured everything needed to be portable if I were ever to do any sort of adventuring. Is this your first time fighting, or... Uh... Oh, Splendor Belt. All <laughs> <laughs> oh, right, I'm Splendor not in there. Am I? As you head through town, you see Aegis's cart, and you walk alongside of it and spy inside. Mm. A comatose half-elf along with Ko and Carrie. Oh, all right. Just climb on in. Just yeah, start hop talking. over and go. <laughs> no this... good morning, just jumps just, in the yeah, conversation. Just jumps in and goes, is this your first time fighting, is it? <laughs> Uh, we once had a guild invasion of oh it was um what are what are the the lesser undead that are smaller and um crawling claws we yeah. once had crawling claws infest the guild and i helped fight that off uh, with uh firebolt cantrip it's not nothing i mean i think can I, okay can i ask you a question Kenny? I mean, you are definitely well-equipped, but the place we are going is all 
I mean, you get there mentally. When we were there last time, Splendorbelt could barely even get clothes on. Is all of this outfitting even necessary? Well, the the magical auras of the item should preserve themselves. I would expect that, like, non-magical daggers and, uh, you know, accoutrements wouldn't translate well to the dreamscape, but I, I'm, I'm banking on that we're going to do just fine as long as it's all enchanted, which, I mean, just about everything here is. I've infused it. Uh, it's an artificer thing. I didn't understand almost any of that, but uh, as long as you were confident, I guess I would be confident as well. You all arrive at the guild. As you jump out of Aegis's cart, he walks around to the side and helps once again load up Antela on the stretcher. And you see Grinkeeper running down the street, holding behind her now this ribbon. What, what's going on with the ribbon? The ribbon. So we're all going to be in a dreamscape, and she wants to make sure that the physical bodies are attached somehow. So in case you need to yank an arm and get somebody out of the dreamscape. Oh, so so you're you're planning to tie together like your physical real world wrists. hands, wrists to get okay, okay, kind of a power of friendship sort of thing. Yes. Perfect. Perfect. The Aegis cart comes to a stop. You have reached the guild, and the doors open. And you carry Antla to the back. You go past the quest board, taking a right and heading all the way back to Carrie's office. Where there are no horses. Horses need to die. (laughs) 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 He's just as clopping along with us. And then he goes, ah, shoot, what am I doing here? I gotta go. (laughs) Just got following you and all. You head into Carrie's office where the center sort of island table of her many experiments has been cleared off and made into a, at least, you know, a blanket has been thrown over it and some pillows have been provided of various make, none of them matching in pattern at all. Cassius is in there as well. As you entered, you saw Helen Armanning the front and the rest of the employees are busy. You lay down Anthela. Carrie removes the retractable stretcher and once again clumsily puts it back into her artificer quiver. All right, Co, says Cassius. What comes next? Oh, you know what? It just occurred to me. It's a really dumb thing to realize this far into it. Carrie isn't coming with us. Oh, why? Because it's three creatures I can see, which would be the two of you and Anthela. Oh. Otherwise, we're not connecting to her. Well, can one of us... Oh, yeah. (laughs) Well, Carrie's going to be disappointed. Carrie looks at you all smiles, ready to go. (laughs) Shit. Co, uh, having just realized this, and now it's it's the time for the magic, right? Pretty much. <laughs> mm. Okay. Um, if it is time for me to do the uh, the telekinetic business, I I guess I should say I have never done it with this many people uh, this complexly before. So I will do my best, and. Uh, 
you know, we'll just see how it goes. And then he will specifically target his two companions and Anthela and not Carrie, but he won't tell her and do his uh, psychic whispers connection for three hours. Green Keeper, you see Ko start to begin his manifestation of his mental connection. Oh, wait, wait, we gotta, okay, I'm gonna tie us together. So if we get lost in the dream world, (laughs) we can find each other in the real world. Grinkeeper laces a long uh, pink ribbon amongst your wrists, so you're all tied together in a chain. And Carrie walks up, holding out her wrists. Okay. Wow. Carrie's tied on? Yeah. Okay, (laughs) Carrie is tied on. You make the mental connection, and you descend. Descend back through the dream, rushing past imagery that doesn't quite make a lot of sense at the moment. Swirling blackness and eventually find yourself sitting, standing in the middle of a great hall. You may now go to your map. Oh, hey. The oh, map. There it is. I may have already seen this. You find yourself in a great hall made of stone. The stone has a sort of light reflective quality to it, though is of a dark brown kind of nature. On the walls are these brackets holding up green crystals which emulate and illuminate the entire room. In front of you, you see a fountain which is babbling along. It is pretty simple make, but is launching water in a pretty elegant way up into the air in several different spouts. This is being fed by a small ravine on the left and right side of the room that trickles out from a hole in the bottom of the wall on each side. Kind of like this same sort of feed, this trench continues on the wall beyond. You see a door to your left and you see a door to your right. But at the far end, past the fountain, you see a large door, decorated In front of that door are two individuals standing. They are wearing a golden sort of sash around their midsection and elegant combat-like boots that are gold-tipped on the bottom as well. Beyond that, they are uh, simply dressed, but they each hold a spear. One of them you recognize immediately, Ko, as Keeves. He stands at attention at the front of the door. Looking distantly, another elf stands next to him on the opposite side of the door. In the area you've appeared, there is a 20 by 15 foot area that glows, and this great shaft of light that you're currently standing in extends upwards into the sky, into the deepness. There's no ceiling to this place, though. It is all just an inky blackness beyond the immediate walls and constructs you see. Um, okay. I guess we're gonna just move forward then. Um, is Co looks. Is everybody wearing clothes? Everyone make wisdom checks. 
wisdom, A. Do I need to make a wisdom check as well? I'll go for it. Oh, it doesn't work. Why? 18. <laughs> I got an 8. Frick. Give me one second. This is all effed up. I got a font thing that's freaking out. Okay, there we go. Do I get advantage because I've been here a lot? Don't worry about it. We'll get to you in a moment. Okay. Uh, that's an eight for me. <laughs> Boo. You were all... Sorry. <laughs> you all stand in the magic items you have brought with you. So, Co, Splendor Belt, you are missing your mundane items while you're here. However, you both have magical armor sets, which are providing you with a fully clothed look. And this does not mean you're any in any sort of discomfort. Your underwear is not made. Ma- your underwear may not be magical, but that doesn't mean it's not there. But your basic daggers, your basic items of that note, have not manifested with you. Grinkeeper, however, got an eighteen. Grinkeeper, you have all your magical items. You have your mundane items manifested as well. But you can also augment them should you choose. Is there a mental projection Grinkeeper has of herself that maybe the others would be seeing now? She's wearing a white floor-length ampere dress with uh, elbow-length white gloves. That dress has the exact same stats as your magical armor. She looks a little embarrassed once she realizes she's wearing it. I, hmm, I didn't know you, I mean, you're a pro. Splendor Belt showed up with a sack of potatoes the first time. Luck, I don't know. All right, um, so last time Splendor Belt and I were here, Keeves over there said he was a guard for the wedding. So my guess is that through those doors is probably the wedding, and that's probably where we should go. I think we need to be careful about killing anybody because I don't know what that would do to their actual bodies in the real world, and if we can get away with not just beating people up, we should for as long as possible. Okay. If you think this is the right way to do it. Just act so like you belong here. Oh. Uh, we're okay. also guards for the wedding. Okay. Okay. Or guests for the wedding. You look like a guest. What do yeah. I look like? What do I look like today? You look like a guard. Okay. I will be guard then. Will they know that I am guard or will they say, "Hey, you are not on the uh, list?" <laughs> I I don't know. Okay, well, we this try. is all new territory. You could be my guards, and we we gotta go see. I don't know. I'm the Empress of the Over Kingdom. What were his titles? Oh, this is good idea, though. We fake it. I like these. I look at them. Are they wearing a, a matching uniform? The guards. Yes, but it's all pretty basic. Uh, like I said, it's kind of a a simple wrap around their their waist with rather simple trim on it of gold. They have those heavy boots on and the spears. Uh, the one on the left, as you look on, is Keeves. The one on the right, you have not met in town, but as an elf, and she has a wrap around her top as well. 
Okay, Ko's armor shimmers and shifts and mimics the look. All right. Yeah, it does. That's a great idea. And Grinkeeper will shut her eyes and try and change hers as well. Roll a will or wisdom. An eight. Seem to be unable to get out of your lovely dress. Damn it. Okay. That's okay. You can be a guest. We can be escorting you. But Splendor Belt, you should really like try and conjure a sash or something. Can you can you think real hard? You don't have to go all the way. Just maybe like a sash, buddy. Do you think you could do just a sash? Uh, can we think at him to help? I, I don't know, but it couldn't hurt. I could try Chris this. will start imagining him in a sash. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, I'll try it re- really hard, and I'll just go uh, and try to conjure a sash. With advantage and Grinkeeper, Grinkeeper cheering, sash, 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 sash at you. Give it a shot. Okay. What am I rolling? Two wisdoms and taking the higher. Okay, wisdom. All right, first one's 15. Next one is 19. I'll take the 19. All right, you are able to manifest yourself into said sash. Is there anything else you'd like to include? Um... I'll, I'll look at my companion and say, is this, is this all we need? Perhaps I can, uh, there, this seemed like not, not to be too bad. I could do it again. I, I didn't want to set the bar too high, but the goal is to look as much like one of them as you can. Um, well, I would kind of squint my way at them and see if there's anything else about them that I would want to try to mimic in my appearance. Taking a look at them with your perception of 12, you note that they do have kind of a a long sort of hairdo in the back. Uh, if you possess long enough hair, you could, you know, fold it into a braid that ends in a loop on the end. Oh, my hair's not that long. What, can I conjure the hair <laughs> like I did the sash? I'd be with a 19. You might be able to, yeah. All right. I'll re-roll with advantage. Is that okay? Sure. Well, we won't be taking that one. That's a six. Come on. Braid, 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 braid. A 13. You manifest a short little braid. It's more of a, a Padawan side Obi-Wan thing. Okay. Fair enough. So I I have to... Um, it's up to you on this, Kyle. I don't have it in my inventory. I think because I assumed it was going to be something that would have a name and I waited and never followed up with you on it. But I swear I kept one of those psychic spears. Do I still have a psychic spear? Mm. We did turn them into the guild and they would have been returned to you. The only issue is that it's it's not collapsible. It's a full blown long style spear, so we'd yeah, have to. Yeah, but retcon. that doesn't that doesn't stop the bag of holding. Oh, that's bag true. The holding. bag of holding. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Perfect. All right. I reach the bag of holding, pull out a psychic spear. All right. You have one. Complete the look. All right. Well, we're all dressed up. How do we advance? All right. Let's uh, let's march Greenkeeper in. Do you have your alias ready? Do you do you know who you're going to be? Queen of the birds. He gets to be king of the bats. I get to be queen of the birds. Okay. Good. I think that's good. 
All right. We'll escort her up to the front. All right. You all walk down the hall past the two doors over these nice little bridges that are constructed to go over the trenches that the water babbles pleasantly through towards the fountain and make your way up to the doors with the two guards where Keeves on one side stands and an elf that you do not know stands on the other side. Right. Uh, I would just keep walking as if I have every right to be there. If they're not going to talk to me, I won't talk to them, but just start marching towards the door. As you approach the spears, clank together and the psychic blades on the end alight. Keeve speaks to you. Halt! What need have you of the bride? Uh, we have a special guest. We're escorting her in. This is the queen of the birds. Greenkeeper tries to whistle. Like a bird? Yes. Co, like <laughs> actually, everybody, because Crandall's spending, uh, Splendor Belt is standing there. Let's get a performance check. Me as well? Yep. Okay. But eyes aren't really upon you. This is right. more just to see and make sure. 21. Uh, performance. Uh, I got a 13, but I'm going to go ahead and throw some some side bolstered neck behind that because nice. why not why not because you you should uh what is that that's a d8 four that's a 17 now oh wow i'm an 18 the only thing i need to know kyle is if it ultimately succeeds i use a psychic die if it doesn't succeed i keep it you pull out your side bolstered neck and tendrils of energy connect the three of you as you stand in this triangle. Everyone gets the bonus from Ko's side-bolstered neck. Which means that Grinkeeper with a 25 performs the most beautiful whistle solo you may have ever heard. It sounds like 20 birds are all singing in, in concert. I'd make you do it, but I know you can't whistle. <laughs> it's beautiful it's beautiful everyone's floored by this magical enhanced even because it's not a real whistle after all it's in the dreamscape uh, Splendor Belt gets a 22 on acting like a guard and he looks like a guard Co, perhaps the least believable of them all is still quite passable and these spears go back delight and they push open the doors for you. Beyond, you see a large room, which I will reveal on the map now. Looking down through this relaxation area, you see a great window that dominates a, an opening, kind of like uh, Jasmine had up there on her, on her beautiful balcony. That just overlooks a city beyond. To your immediate right and left, there are pillars that rise up and connect to a roof that doesn't seem attached, covered in that inky darkness. There is a open back couch of sorts, very much along the lines of what some might have in a psychology office, but curled and elegant on the sides. And there next to it is a mannequin with a great white linen dress 
that pours over the sides. It's stitched in a series of leaf-like contraptions that overlap, making kind of a scale mail of sorts, if you will. But these leaves are of all linen. An elegant dress that goes into a sheer up at the top and then reconnects into a large neck piece heading up. There is a cage in the top left corner with bats in it. And they're pleasant enough looking bats. They have fleshy little faces. They have large extended noses. And they're flitting about, many of them just resting. Here's a picture of cute bats for you. There are two large cages to the left and right of a bed that dominates the area by the balcony. And these cages are piled up with the green crystals, which are light, letting the whole room kind of bathe in this green glow, which is caught in the purple silks and patterns of the chairs inside. You see Anthla. She is resting, her legs curled up to the side, uh, basically, if you will, the Princess Leia pose while waiting in the cell. She lays oh, on like her the side. Saiyan, like she, she's not propped up on her elbow, though, right? No, she's more relaxing down on her side. Her arm kind of slayed out by her head as she rests. Okay, because that'd be freaky. She, she has a wooden bowl, which has a, a bizarre selection of fruits inside that you don't really have any experience with. Beyond her, beyond this sort of bed and lounge area, is the beginnings of the fountain where the water pools up. And it's pleasantly bubbling out out of a series of heads, which you can't really make up at this position. But there are some statues that kind of dominate this part of the fountain. They then fall into these tributaries, these little runs that run the length of the room and eventually go back into the main hall where you were and feed that fountain there. Beyond, beyond, out the balcony... You see a city in a massive cave. Up in the ceiling, the connected to the top of this cave is a huge green crystal that is alighting the entire place, bathing it in this green light. You hear a little bit of hubbub and city life beyond that. There are small, squat, adobe-like buildings. Many do not reach more than three stories high. You can't make out what kind of building you're in naturally, just looking out the window here. But you do see a large something walking out there. Very much the look of a daddy long legs spider that seems to walk about the city. Giant. Massive. At, it, at its core, it glows. And you can see flames licking out the side of whatever this spidery construct is. All right, I will, uh, as we move into the room, just sort of whisper to my friends, that's my wife there. That's who we've come for. Splendorbelt, do we just let you touch her and we go? Yes, but you'll perhaps have to run interference for me so I'm not uh, noticed for what I'm doing. Okay. This is important. Should I go keep the bats busy? I mean, maybe just let's all keep an eye out. Um, Keep up the ruse for now. We don't want to spook her too much. 
we'll just keep walking forward as if we're there to to meet her. You walk forward into the hall here. The great pillars to left and right rising up above you. As you pass the dress, Ko, you notice that these aren't really leaf patterns at all. They're bat wings, but they're still made of that linen. And they have the little hook atop. In the back, it seems that it goes into this sheer sort of cape, which also has the look of bat wings upon it. You continue down the hall. The door closes behind you, closed by the guards. Anybody need to do anything before we keep going forward? No, I think we go. Yep, Greenkeeper's waiting for you for Co's Q. Okay. <sighs> How slight of handy am I going to have to be for this, Kyle? Or am I in for it up here? Am I going to have to be all, like, stealthy or something? Whatever. That's up to you. Uh... As you approach, you see Anthela is resting. She appears to be sleeping. She has a slight smile on her face. Seems to be rather calm laying in her grandiose bed with its many pillows, some of those useless tube-shaped ones. <laughs> I feel like we're getting a secret thing about Kyle we didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> useless pillows. Okay. Well, I would, I'd like to keep moving. Is Koe, Ko, you're leading, right? Sure. Okay. How long does the spell take to cast? Um, So, the way it works is pretty simple. Hold on one second. Okay. Uh, The way that spell works, I was going to have it handy and I forgot to put it handy. There it is. Okay, so we are going to do remove curse. Uh, At your touch, all curses affecting one creature or object end. If the curse, or excuse me, if the object is a cursed magic item, we don't have to worry about that. Um, but the spell breaks if its owner's attunement to the object. Uh, wait, I'm sorry. But the spell breaks if its owner's attunement to the object, so it can be removed or discarded. I'm not sure what that means. Uh, that's just object stuff. So yeah, it doesn't say anything else. It just says if it's a creature and I touch it, all curses lift. So basically, if you were to touch a, if someone was like, I can't drop, I can't drop this roll of tulip paper. No matter what I do, I can't drop it. Right. And then you decurse the object, they could drop it, but the toilet paper would still be cursed. Right. Nobody would want to touch that toilet paper roll still. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And in this case, since it's just her, then really it's just whatever's accursing her will stop. So go ahead and use in the map here kind of approach where you would given her sleeping condition in the room. I would... Uh, I would... Uh, yeah, go ahead. Walk up, take a flanking position, figure Greenkeeper, you know, keep up appearances again in the in the center, and uh, sort of do a... <clears throat> excuse me. She awakens and kind of slides up her arm, immediately gaining as though full waking composure. Oh, yes? Do I know you? Uh, I'm here to present a a guest for the wedding who was very much uh, interested in meeting you. If I can present the Queen of the Birds. (laughs) 
Please make him roll a performance check on that. Performance check. That's so good. The queen, queen of the birds, if you would please. That's <laughs> an 18. <laughs> I love natural 20. <laughs> no way. Grinkeeper launches back into her beautiful whistle solo. And a smile overtakes Antla's face, and she's entirely enthralled by this whistle. She, what a gift, as you continue to whistle for however long you choose. Uh, she'll, right before it reaches a pinnacle ending, she'll a go. A crescendo? A crescendo, thank you. Uh, she'll go, and this is not the only gift. Tweetings to you. We also bring blessings from the gods and my kingdom. And Grinkeeper will offer a hand to her hand and then nod to the guards. You'll offer a hand to Anthala? <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> I love it. Oh, and what is this lovely gift? And she extends her own hand and takes Grinkeeper's. Co gives Splendor Belt the look. Okay. A blessing. That says, do something. <laughs> but we all must join hands. All right. While they're distracted doing that, I will just attempt to just touch, you know, without any kind of, hopefully without any notice, just kind of brush up against the side of her somehow with my knuckle or anything. No, nope. We're all putting our hands in. Oh, we're putting our hands <laughs> in? Oh, no, this is how he's interpreting it. Oh, Hang okay, on. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, that's, that's what fair. I would but, interpret. That's what I would interpret. So, Splendor Belt. You may make, uh, I, I will take arguments for other roles, but there is a performance check sort of thing going on right now. You mm. could also do sleight of hand if you're looking to like, you know, like elbow or uh, bump the spell out. I would prefer performance. Okay. Um, can I cast guidance on myself? Hold on. I can, right? Hold on. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to cast uh, Guidance sure. on myself first, which yeah, gives me an your additional... Your God guides you. You don't inspire yourself. Right, right, right. So so I've, I can just do that, um, which means I can add a D4 to this if I need to, right? Yeah. You may. Uh, so here goes. I'm going to do Performance because that's my better s- s- stat. So that's that plus a D4. Uh, hold on one second. There it is. And roll... So that's uh, 20, 20, dirty 20. She extends her hand and takes Grinkeepers or the, the Lady of Birds <laughs> and clasps it gently. And Ko, you join in on this. You sort of underhand Grinkeepers and Splendor Belt, the guard, raises his hand does a sort of holy symbol of his own, glows with inner light, looks inspired even, and then begins to lower his own hand down. And as that happens, she sort of breaks for a moment. I'm not sure that he would approve... And your hand connects. Okay. Um, when I do that... Hold on. I think this requires a, a healing word of some sort, or it's uh, some kind of spoken thing. Give me one second. Remove curse. Here we go. Nope, it's just a touch. I don't have to say anything, and it's instantaneous. So, uh, I would send the uh, the spell remove curse through my 
hand and into her. And it flows into her hand and zooms kind of jagged like lightning up through her body. And she goes a little limp on the back, but your hands hold strong and hold her up as her legs don't collapse. And she snaps herself to forward with a great gasp. Ah! Behind her, the lovely bed, the bowl of fruit-like funguses with a slight glow on them, the babble of water stops. The bed itself collapses into a black sand. The bowl rings on the floor for a moment and then collapses. The fruit inside collapses. The darkness of the ceiling kind of descends down a few feet, but still maintains this grandiose hall look. Beyond as this all happens through the window, you see a commotion on the edge of the city. Some sort of crowd is gathered. Some sort of mob seems to be marching out, and a great rumble overtakes the entire cave. The great spider beast begins walking towards the crowd as it's attempting to leave the town. She snaps immediately, looks at the caster, Splinterbell, who, what, looks over at Grinkeeper, who's still manifested in her lady, uh, a bird's dress, and then connects eyes with Ko. Ko! Ko just immediately wraps his arms around her and pulls her in. What? How did you get here? We, uh, we, we found a way in. We're, we're connected, uh, telepathically. We're gonna get you out. How, how? Uh, well, I'm not 100% sure, (laughs) but I think that maybe the magical area that we came in might have something to do with it. I really wish we had Carrie here, uh, but we don't, and I think if we get her to that square and I break the connection, maybe she'll come with us if she's not befuddled if she's not cursed I don't really know how it works Co, with your advanced passive perception you hear the ever so slightest the quietest little beating of wings out the balcony uh, but I think if we're gonna go I think we should go now yes alright we need to get out of just don't make it stink. We can get out without the fight. Just uh, you know. Pretend everything is nothing has changed and the guards will let, let us pass. Uh maybe, but we should do it with haste, I think. I agree. Alright. Start making our way out. You turn to leave, and the first thing you notice as you walk is that the fountain goes black as the waters run along your sides down the room. You make your way about halfway through the hall towards the door, and the door congeals with the black ooze you've come to know, swelling out of the cracks around the edges. And that beating stops behind you, Ko. And as you turn to look, you see a massive bat has attached itself to the ceiling just over the balcony. It's some 15 feet long, 
and around its waist it has a golden saddle. As it unfurls its wings, one of the hooks descends down and it carries with it a foot of a man who is deposited on the ground right by where the bed lay moments before. He appears as a porcelain-skinned elf with a deep purple cowl around his neck with golden trim. There is a skull upon it, one you recognize as what is likely underneath the skin and horrible hair of a hook horror. His white hair is intricately tied down his back, stopping at the small with a ring, and from that ring hangs a skull as well. Otherwise, he is shirtless and well-built. He has a sash around his waist, much like that of the guards, but is also imbued in gold in this purpley kind of silk. He's got long black fingernails that he extends out and kind of rolls towards your wife. Grinkeeper will step in front of Ko and his wife in Splendorbelt. Yeah, Ko will kind of do a move to kind of step not just in front of Anthala, but also kind of motion her closer towards the way out. Let's go ahead and position ourselves on the map here where we're at. Uh, let's see. This would have happened as we were leaving, so probably a little more back here, I would say. Splinterbelt, you're up by Anthla, or are you more by Co and Grinkeeper? I would... Mm. Um... Well, if we're looking at the map, I'd be like, I don't know, flanky? I'd be like here. On the side. Still acting the, the part of a guard. Oh, sorry. You, Where's Grinkeeper? I'd be next to her because she's the one I'm guarding. In our in our Grin ruse. So Grinkeeper steps forward, kind of blocking in her massive dress and taking up a battle position. And Splinterbelt, you step up with her. Yeah. Co, you guard Anthala behind you, who looks nervously over your shoulder and whispers, "That's him." His hand fully rolled out and extended. The pinky still rolled in. He looks down his nose at you all. It seems disapproving, kind of clutches his hand back in, this bony sort of long hand, and brings it down to his chest where it forms a fist. He speaks, but the words appear in your mind instead. He says, Anthala. Who are these visitors? Why do you betray your own people? You understand this fully, but it appears in that kind of mental subtitle like you've experienced with Ko and now become accustomed to. His mouth, however, speaks these words that have no meaning to you. Um, as he speaks, Ko would 
kind of assume a defensive stance. And in the past, when he has manifested the soul weapons, it's been kind of very Protoss-like blades coming out of the tip, like a flash of light, and then it manifests into kind of the crystalline blade that he holds. In this case, they form very slowly, almost like ice growing, um, you know, a shard at a time, uh, just little fractals into jagged red semi-translucent blades as he's just got a death grip on them staring at this guy. His eyes immediately travel right past Grinkeeper and Splinterbelt, seeing these blades extend, and he gives a <laughs> Veldrabus begins to speak again. Nindil, a dull-bluth warrior here. I have no idea what that means. They, I do. Those were the ones that split from the kingdom. Oh, right. <laughs> One exile, Mindel. Surrender, mortals, to the umbral sovereign. There is no hope. If he's immortal, how come he's dead? Uh, is, is he? Is he dead? I have a feeling he is. Uh, can go where he wants to go. Well, undead, right? Calazar, uh. are you undead? <laughs> Shit. In your mind appears, I am the undead majesty. None dare stand to me. I count three of us standing. Uh, Four, if Anthela is part of this. She isn't, but... You're not wrong. All right, three then. Angela, my bride, return to me, and these mortals may go. Our dear still stands. As soon as the thought of my bride pops into Ko's head, one of those knives is getting thrown. All right. Wow. Let's roll initiative then. Oh, Lord. It's going to go down. A 22 for Ko. A 10 for me. Greenkeeper? 18. All right, Cove, you're up. That is a 22 to hit. That is a hit. 
That is 10 psychic damage from the first toss. You've got a full action. All, all the accoutrements. That second blade is getting checked, too. All right. With a 26. That's a hit as well. And five more psychic damage from that one. You throw the psychic blades and they each embed in his shoulders. And he takes a little step back. But it's Grinkeeper's turn unless Ko wants to move or do something else. Uh, no. Ko's gonna stay exactly where he is. Grinkeeper? Alright, I have a question here about the rules. So if okay. I cast a bonus action that says the next time you hit a creature, I cast this bonus action before my attack action, does that attack action get the spell? Yes, you can do them in any order you wish. Okay, perfect. So what she'll do is she will cast a Branding Smite. So the next time you hit a creature with a weapon attack before the spell ends, the weapon gleams with an astral radiance as you strike. The attack deals an extra 2d6 radiant damage to the target, which becomes visible if it's invisible, and the target sheds dim light in a five-foot radius and can't become invisible until the spell ends. All right. So she'll take out her lightning javelin and chuck that at the Kalzar. Then let's make a ranged attack. An 18. It's a hit. So it's going to do 11 damage base, and then I need to do the lightning damage. Oh, yeah, and then you need to do the radiant damage. So 14 lightning damage. Okay. Good javelin. And then you stack another 2d6 on top of it. And then nine for the radiant damage. Wow, good hit. That's 34 points of damage. And awesome. You have two attacks. <laughs> so she'll pull out a regular javelin. Will the branding smite cast for this one or no? I would assume the next time the next time you hit a creature with a weapon attack before the spell ends. So it's expended now. Yeah, it's expended. Cool. So I'll just roll the regular javelin. The nice thing is though, if you miss on the first throw, it would apply to the second. That is true. You do have to hit. That is nice. 17 to hit. Is a hit. Nine damage. Whopping 43 points of damage. Good lord. For your first round. Jeez. And she'll take one step toward the Kalazar. All right. So, Ko hits him. Shoulder, shoulder, and he takes a step back, but seems unfazed. Then Grinkeeper, pulling out of her manifested dress, this massive lightning rod 
and hurls it across the room as a line attack. So just the whole room kind of darkens around it as this light enters your eyes. And it slams into him for 43 points of damage. Well, uh, 34 as it pierces right on through him, leaving a great gaping hole smoking with lightning. It sizzles behind him and then launching out of that basically lightning rod behind him to Grinkeeper comes that holy boat of energy hitting a second time right across him. And as it goes, it sends cracks up to his face and his face like a porcelain doll breaks off in a large chunk, revealing underneath a huge spout of black sand that just starts pouring out endlessly like it's a hose. However, Grinkeeper's not done. She pulls forth a mundane javelin and throws that as well and hits him along the side of the face too. And that side of his face cracks as well. Underneath, you see the makings, the the hollowness of a skull, the nose holes, the eye holes, but they're just whooshing, pouring sand out. The bat next to him collapses into sand, disappears, falls to the ground. The black slime that was traveling down the little pathways also stops its moisture, turns to black sand, which begins sliding across the ground with an invisible uh, sort of wind casting through here. The city beyond breaks apart. The crystal up top snaps from the ceiling and descends into the city proper and explodes, sending out a massive shockwave, destroying all those Adobe-style houses that were all throughout there. The entire battlefield is disappearing, and he falls to his hands and knees. As he falls, his hand hits the ground and breaks into pieces, pouring sand out of his elbow. His other arm tries to catch itself, breaks, and pours sand from the elbow before his whole body just collapses in front of you. Everybody roll dexterity saving throws. Mm. Hey. Hey. It's one of John's favorites. His. Remember, you get a plus two. Let me double check it to your saving throws. Oh, that'd be nice. Yeah, I'll need it. I rolled a natural one. Yeah. Uh, That'll put me at 15 if that's correct. So a 10 total if I got a plus two. An 11 with the plus two. Cool. Ko, you got an eight, but you take half damage anyway from these sorts of things now. Yeah, even on a failure, I take half. I'm moving us over to a side map here. Ko, you manage, you take an eight because you push Antla out of the way, who falls back. The pillars on the side collapse as the entire building just dissolves into the sand. Move your map now to the right a bit, and you will see our new map that we are on. Grinkeeper, you're out in front. Grinkeeper... That's you cool. take you take 17 points of physical damage bludgeoning damage as it lands on top of you one of these pillars with your massive strength though you're not collapsed underneath it merely a little dazed by the mighty hit Wait, not you mechanically said 70 17 uh, 17 oh thank god okay <laughs> that'd be bad and you said i took 8 from the half damage right exactly okay oh wait so, uh, yes yes cuz we're rounding down uh, Splendor Belt, you got a 13. 15. Oh. 
Yeah, it was plus two. So 13 is what I rolled, and then I got two more. Nice. So you managed to dodge the entire pillar as it comes down. Excellent. I like the sound of that. Splendor Belt, this is where you find yourself. The pillars have collapsed. Many still stand. You're in a massive dune of black sand that's rolling with a wind from the west. Well, from your right anyway. You can still see a little bit of what's left of the fountain you originally entered by. And beyond that, the pillar of light that you entered through far in the back. So is it my turn, though? It's your turn. Okay, if that's the case... Hmm. Where is he? Buried in sand, it seems. Okay. Collapsed so no and vi- dissolved. No visual on this dude. Is it, po- mm. is it possible all of this is him? <laughs> you know what I'm trying to say? Like... His essence is all this freaking sand we're now surrounded with. What are you going to do? Just pee on them? I don't know. I'm trying to think. <laughs> like, if these, if he exists in some form Everyone, here, pee! pee everyone pee, pee, quick. Hang on. on the sand. Wait, hang on. Grinkeeper needs to roll a concentration. Oh. Oh, that's a one. Okay. Grinkeeper fails the concentration. <laughs> this was to her branding smite that she cast earlier, which would have an effect right now as it reveals invisible The light, enemies. yeah. Okay. Well, in that case, I had ideas, but now there's nothing to aim at. All right. Well, I would... You can um, I know prepare gr- an action. Yeah, no, no, I know. But I, I know uh, Grinkeeper is hurt, so um, I would sort of intuit that and run over there and uh, see if we can't give her some life back. Um, I will cast on, I will touch her and cast on her Cure, uh, cure Wounds at level one. Um, and that will be a total of seven points of healing to Grinkeeper. All right, you are now positioned next to Grinkeeper with the touch of the holy healing. There you go. Yep. Anything else you'd like to do on your turn? Any bonus action? Um, that sound scared me. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, no. I'll 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 be hunched next to her. Sort of. Ooh, weird. So, for whatever comes next in this terrible sound I'm hearing. Sorry, how much healing was that? Oh boy. Oh my gosh. I feel like the Kalazar materializes. Damn it. Barring your exit. Or at least in this massive amount of sand, he materializes between you and where the doors previously were. He's lost his porcelain pretty boy form and now appears to you as a massive maw filled with light. He emerges out of the... As I try to post the picture here. uh, He emerges out of the sand. His wrappings tattered in the wind. His great cowl around his neck rusted and old. His eyes hidden beneath bandages. 
he raises up and says the word Tremor. Everyone make a constitution saving throw. Oh boy. Is this still a plus two situation? If you're in range of Grinkeeper, I believe. Ten feet. Mm, I'm definitely in range. So that'd be a nine for me. Not great. 25. Uh, It's an 11 for me. I'll roll for Anthla here. Okay. Anthla collapses. Uh Uh-oh. Be real bummer. Let's resolve the how much healing Grinkeeper got, and I will pass out the rest of the information. Uh, fr- from earlier, you mean? Want a healer? Yes. Oh, uh, that was. Oh, what did I say? So, uh, there it is. Cure wounds twelve. Thank you. No problem. The Kalazar releases his blasphemous word, Trema. Everyone who failed is stunned until the end of my next turn. So Grinkeeper is the only one still going at the moment. So Grinkeeper, it would be your turn. As you recover from the pillar, you see Splendorbelt's hand upon your shoulder, but he is steely, unmoving, and he's gone full gray. He's lost all of his color. All right. Oh, well. Um, He's been desaturated. <laughs> Grinkeeper will look shocked and check him out, and then she'll look over to Ko and Anthela. They look the same. Yep, but Anthela has collapsed as well. She's balled up on the ground. Okay, she will then stand up and walk the 30 feet toward the Kalazar, pulling out a javelin. You walk towards the Kalazar. I will advance you here on the mini-map and make your javelin attack. First one is a 24. That's a hit. Nine piercing. Second attack. Second is a 19. That's a hit. Nine damage. 18 damage total. Anything else you want to do? Yes, but let me find it here. Kyle, was that a magical spell or effect that I got hit by? It is a magical utterance, yes. <laughs> okay, j- no, nothing changed. Good, good try, good try. <laughs> it got way worse. <laughs> okay. What she's going to do then is she's going to cast Sanctuary on Anthela, and it's going to ward her. Sanctuary bonus action, got it. 
Uh, any creature who targets her with an attack or harmful spell must make a wisdom saving throw on failed save. The creature must choose a new target or lose the attack or spell. Very cool. The worded creature makes an attack, casts a spell that affects an enemy or deals damage to another creature. The spell ends. Okay, so I can I can get rid of it by attacking anybody else. Okay, cool. Well, I am going to need you to make a wisdom saving throw, Grinkeeper. A ten. You throw... Oh. 12, correct, plus the plus the aura. So you throw your spear, embedding it into the now massive form of the Kalazar, who is manifested out of his own sands. But as it hits, you're overcome by his dreadful glare. You are now in the frightened condition. However, you avoid something much worse with your steely resolve. He brings his hands together up by his face and angles his wrists in before he rockets them backwards and his jaw descending past a point of natural unhinging. Ew. Let's loose a swarm of insects uh, which cones across all of you. Uh, it's like Candyman. I don't like it. <laughs> it freaks me out. <laughs> I don't like it. Splenderbelt's fine, by the way. It's me. Okay, I just we'll clear that up. Table talk. Scott, this would freak Scott the hell out. I don't think my orc could have a problem with it. Now, being stunned means you don't get strength or dexterity saving throws, but you all still get a Constitution saving throw. So, Constitution saving throws for everybody in this massive cone of bugs. Can do. Still get the plus two. Jeez, my goodness. Oh my lord. So my best roll was a six. My best roll was a four plus two, so it is six. Let's see. Uh, Greenkeeper advanced, so Co would get the plus two now. Not Splunderbelt. Right. Oh. It's eight. <laughs> then I got a four. Ugh. Twenty points of piercing damage on a failed save. Shit. As the bugs cascade past you, each one taking a little nick and stab at you. Okay. That's fun. The Kalazar advances. His swarming bottom half as it moves through the sand moves right over Anthla, who is rolled off to the side by the force of the winds. He stands over Grinkeeper and Co. now. However, that ends his turn, so we are back into a normal sort of turn order here. Starting with Grinkeeper, though, who did not get stunned. All right, we're still down for the round, right? Wait, no, it should shouldn't ours have worn off after his attack? Wasn't I right, right, but the round? But Grinkeeper got an attack while she wasn't stunned. So now we're changing the initiative order slightly. Oh. Oh, she's overtaken it. I get it. Okay. Keeping that grin. Would the wind fan count as an attack? It is an action, yes. If that's oh, you're are you asking for two attacks on a turn thing? I'm asking because frightened means you have disadvantage on attack, but this is a spell. 
action to cast. Yeah, you could you could cast this because it's a save for me. So it does not give disadvantage because you're not making the attack. Cool. So he's on top. His swarming, his swirling sand bottom form is standing right over you and Co. Cool, and it's swirling sand, so she's gonna pull out the fan and try and shoo him away. With the gust of wind spell. Yep. Looks like I make a saving throw. DC 13. Looks like we need to find out what gust of wind does. Yep, strength 13. It's a line of strong wind, 60 feet long and 10 feet wide, that blasts in the direction I choose for the spell's duration. Each creature that starts its turn in the line must succeed on a strength saving throw or be pushed 15 feet away in a direction following the line. Any creature in the line must spend two feet of movement for every one foot it moves when moving closer to me, uh, and the gust disperses gas or vapor, and it extinguishes candles, torches, and similar unprotected flames. Okay, he saves and is unaffected. However, back behind him, you do make, from your angle, a large bit of uncovered ground that was once part of the palace below the sand. Now we go to Ko. All right. Uh, there's what I want to do, and there's what Ko would do, and I gotta do what Ko would do. Ko would uh, move forward um, up beside uh, Anthala. And he would shout to his companions. The goal was to get her out of here. That hasn't changed. And that's what I'm going to do. And his cloak will swirl out away from him, enveloping both him and Anthala as he casts Dimension Door and appears with both of them in the purple circle below. All the way back where they were. Damn, that's got good range. Yeah. All right, Cole, you feel the energy pulling your spirit upward. Anthla, unconscious, begins ascending up into the light. Do you follow? No. If I see her going up, I would consider that acceptable enough and would stay. So she begins to elevate in your hands, gets about two inches out of your fingers, and then and turns into a great beam of light and rockets upwards. She's now gone from the battlefield. And uh, let's see. That would be an action to do the teleport. Yeah, that's it. That's, that's what I do. With unnatural speed, suddenly the Kalazar gets a, how we say it, legendary action and swings a fist down at Grinkeeper with a 10 on attack. Grinkeeper, do you have your shield out? Yes. Then it bashes against your shield but does no damage to you. You look awesome. <laughs> Splendor Belt, you're up. 
You are unstunned and unsaturated or de resaturated. I'm reset. Okay, there's color to me now. Um, okay. Well, I will uh, I will do this. I'm gonna do this. I've been back and forth on this, but I think I know what I'm gonna do. Uh, I am going to try a new uh, cantrip of mine just to try it. Word of Radiance. Uh, I will utter a divine word and a burning ra- radiance will erupt around me. Uh, let's see. They have to be within range and that range is... Hold on. Oh, I gotta be five feet. Never mind. I'm not doing that. Instead, I'll hit him with a sacred flame. Here comes a hit. Alright. I believe I, I do the dodging. Yeah, you do. Uh, 10. Well, I, I do the deck save, so you didn't fail yet. I still have to fail. Oh, I thought I had to do hit for that, no? Nope, I uh, do a dexterity saving throw versus your spell modifier. Oh, you're right. But I got an 18. Okay, well, that, yeah, either way I missed. All right, well, I whiffed that. Um, I will uh, now move a little. I'm going to go from where I am now to just a little bit of coverage right there behind the pillar. Do you, take, do you put your back to it? Yeah, oh yeah. So I'm kind of like backed and then kind of peeking over the side. Action slide into it. Perfect. Yep. Like a, I'm a freaking Gears of War guy right there. All right, that's my move, or that's my turn. He looks down at Grinkeeper, lording over you with his twirling sand form, his mouth shimmering with light from beyond, still dripping bugs out, and says, Honika. Then he swore at it. Then he it swore slightly swore. as I was pressing wow. the button. <laughs> He's pretty pissed. <laughs> Grinkeeper, you know in your mind that he said a word of power, harm. Make a constitution saving throw. It was on such a low number, and then it rolled onto a 19, so 21, 23. 23. Necrotic energies crackle around you, and these swarming black insects descend on your body, crushing you in. They flow into your veins. They threaten to do 14d6 necrotic damage. However, you shrug it off. You push it back. And as it continues to press in on you, you realize, as a paladin... You're immune to disease-like spells, and the spell has no effect on you. His covered eyes betray any sort of, or don't show any sort of emotion behind them, but if his jaw, unhinged as it is, could show shock, it does. He sweeps himself sideways instead, almost pushing you aside, and goes looking for Splendor Belt. Oh, no. He explodes into sand, swirls up to 60 feet away, and rematerializes right above Splendor Belt.
my turn is over, it would be Grinkeeper's turn. Okay, does she get a chance to make any saves against Frightened? Uh, yes, you can do one at the... You are unfrightened. It was until the end of my turn. Awesome! So she's gonna... She's not walking anymore. Well, actually, you know what? She's really like this walking thing. It seems kind of ominous. So she's just gonna walk on over to this Kalazar figure, and she's gonna have her Warhammer out, and then she's going to take two attacks after casting the, uh, Branding Smite again. Okay. Empower your weapon. And roll your attacks. So the first one's an 11. Okay, a miss. But the second's a nat 20. Oh, very nice. Nicely done. So that'll be 15 damage from the hammer. And let me roll for the radiant. Eight radiant damage. Very nice. Roll your bonus natural 20 now that you've completed your crit damage. Uh, an 18 plus 7, 25. So you swang your hammer at him and you missed on the first attack. Are you the spinning type that would bring it around for a second go, carrying the momentum, or would you swing it backhand style? How does the second attack hit with such a mighty crit? Well, it would have to be you're coming forward, but then you'd have to hold up. <laughs> oh, I thought hold up was part of the. Yeah, uh, I did too. <laughs> No, it wasn't. It totally wasn't. It worked. Yeah, I thought it was as well. Okay, so then it would stop, and then she'd bring it with the backhand forward, using that momentum to launch it into the net 20. So you swing through his sand, miss, and then bring it up kind of underhand and connect with a hard something underneath his chest, almost hooking it in to what's left of his rib cage. And something shatters inside of there. Something like glass breaks into pieces. And you see these red crystals falling out with a great torrent of sand behind it. This builds into a massive wave as he is enveloped inside of it. And it begins to push across the map. Ko, as you look forward out on this endless horizon of desert, you see... A huge tidal wave, a tsunami of sand coming your way. Splendorbelt is currently huddled behind one of the pillars <laughs> as this wave approaches. Is it is it coming from the north part of the map down, or which direction is it coming from? I will add the wave here. Coming from the north and enveloping the land, starting where the Kalazar seemingly is falling to pieces. Oh, my lord. Um, so in the past, Ko has been able to just break the connection and it pulls everybody out. But I guess my concern is that I don't know why that wouldn't work. I, I thought it might not work for Anthala, but I 
think it should work for them. But Ko is going to, uh, I guess, spend this turn. He'll send a thought out to them, just encouraging them to run to him. But if it looks like they're going to get enveloped, he will break the psychic connection and see if that just pulls them all out. So consider that like a held action, I guess. Sounds good. Well, Splinterbell, it's your turn. All right, well. Run! I had a plan. I can't use it again. So, <laughs> I was going to try Spirit Guardians. <laughs> but that ain't going to happen here. Next um, time, man. Next time. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to haul ass. And I'm going to cut around here. Do I invoke an opportunity attack from Dingus here or no? Since he's he is now part. a wave of sand. Okay. There is no dingus of which to attack That's you. what I thought. All right. So I'm going to run Grinkeeper's direction uh, as far as I can, which I think is right. I forget how these units work on this map. How far? So they're five feet. You have a speed of 30, so you could go six. So 12 would be your total movement. 12. Okay. That's close to what I thought. All right. So I'm going to be there. It's not quite as the crow flies, but roughly there. Uh, Greenkeeper. Oh, wait. Oh, uh, action. Hey, Just in case, I'm going to touch myself mm. and cure some of my own wounds. Um, at level two, I will cure wounds. Oh, wait. Hang on, hang on, hang on. We had you do a double run there, though, so you wouldn't have an action to spend. Oh, right. <clears throat> Never mind then. Ignore that roll. Let me uncast it. Okay. Uh, I will not do anything. That was my move then. I'm done. Grinkeeper, you are up. All right. She's going to bend down to pick up a red gem, and then she's going to take off running. All right. Sounds good. Go. they're currently running towards you. Anything you'd like to do? Uh, I mean, he's, root- he's rooting for him. He sends him another thought of run and continues to hold the action to break it if need be. Grinkeeper, Splendorbelt, make athletics checks. Oh, I have good ones. I have good athletics. I have good ones. <laughs> They're some of the best athletics yes, you've ever seen. Yes, good stuff. Oh, it's not that great. Potato-powered athletics. It's 13. very good. It's not great. 13. 12. Code, they're running. They're running, but... Much like the ocean, the wave is taking the sand back into it, and they're not keeping up. They're, the ground is basically being suctioned back below them towards the wave, and in a moment, it threatens to collapse on top of them. Uh, Ko's gonna hold till the very last second, but yeah, if if they're if he thinks they're gonna just get swept away by it, he'd rather break the connection in the hopes that that pulls them out than wait for them to make it. All right, another athletics for both Splendor Belt and Grinkeeper. All right. Well, hold on. Ko's gonna try something stupid. He is going to do that, so they can still roll and all that. But Ko is going to try and... Because this place is powered by the mind. He's going to imagine the wave slowing. 
Okay, make a wisdom check. A 19. Does it slow by any sort of manifestation or does it just slow? Um, I think it would be in kind of the path that they're running. It's almost like it starts to hit something that's pushing against it, almost like a, an energy or a wind. And on the other sides, you would still see it moving, but it's kind of being held and slowed just in a cone behind them. Mm, mm. So you all run, and as the wave starts to pick up your back feet, you start to be enveloped inside of it. Co, do you place out your hand? How how are you? Uh, how are oh, you manifesting yeah. this? This is this is anime business. We got both hands out. We're doing the full like, uh, just straining. <laughs> Co unleashes his will, and a great barrier is erected of his own energy that pushes back the wave, and the wave breaks again. It sand goes cascading over your heads, but not at the weight of the wave. And both Splendorbelt and Grinkeeper regain their footing and make it to the zone of light. Wow! Awesome. This makes me very you, happy. You feel yourself elevating upwards. Do you embrace it? Um, yeah. Yes. I would have a feeling that that would be the right thing to do. As it crashes down underneath your feet, the sand envelops the zone of light and little particles, little grains start zooming up alongside you, but you are all taken with the light upward. As you fly, you hear, I know you. I've seen you now. We will meet again. And you find yourself in Carrie's office. Grinkeeper, clutch tight in your hand. So tight it's leaving little marks in there is a bit of red orb crystal. A sort of a piece of whatever you had broken off there. Anthela wakes suddenly before you. She turns to Ko and without words embraces them. Carrie, what? Well, I I missed it. I missed it. What happened? Uh, you got a souvenir though. And Green Peeper will hand over the, the pieces of the red orb. Splinterbell, do you do anything? Uh, no, I'll just be, I'll lay there like, I can't quite believe what happened. I just, uh, but I won't say anything. I'll just sort of sit there. Splendor Belt goes down, taking one of those sits, you know, with the, the arms kind of resting on top of the knees and a little bit of disbelief. There you go. Carrie takes with both hands the crystal but I missed, I missed the whole thing. Co and looks at Co, realizing that they're embraced for the first time in three months for real. And there's no better place to end this episode than right here. Oh, very nice. Well done. John, how's it feel? You got your wife back, man. I'm so happy. It's so good. Yeah. It's so good. That's great. Well done. I thought I was going to die. And that wave came up. I went, well, been nice knowing you. Someone checked the potato farm for me. Good luck everybody else but no it all worked out in the end well done everybody that was awesome all right that means that next time uh it's episode 11 of this delver season 
Doesn't that put us close to finale? 12's finale. Oh, right? yes. Two episodes left in the season. Whoa, look at that. All right. Well, as you can see, things are ramping up very quickly in these final episodes. So uh, come on back for more next week. And as a reminder, if you haven't already been informed on any of this, uh, this is a great time to go and support your favorite show. Uh, that would be us. And we'd love it if you did. So head on over to therewillbedungeons.com and sign up to be a uh, Dungeons Plus member because that's rad. And when you do that, you get all sorts of stuff, cool stuff in the mail, bonus content every month, and lots of things in between. Uh, Big thanks to everybody who already supports us. It means a lot. And if more of you would, that'd be even better. So head on over to therewillbedungeons.com right now and check it out. That's going to do it for us, for our DM Kyle, for me, for Kristen, and for John. We'll see you next time. This show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Frog Pants Network. Get more shows like this at frogpants.com.